Welcome to Sermons That Will Knock Your Socks Off by Bill Lytell, Senior Pastor of Gospel Baptist Church in Bonita Springs, Florida. That sounded as good as the recording of that, I'd say, that I heard years ago. Praise God, the way it go. What a peaceful, sweet, sweet number that is. Appreciate the uh, piano as well as the uh, violin on that. Really glorious. Take your Bibles, a very, very familiar passage. First um, John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17, often referred to. Uh, it's one of the proof texts for the big, what I call the big three. The big three. The pride of life, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, are constantly after us. We're constantly in them and uh, struggling through them, overcoming them by the Holy Spirit. Uh, we can't overcome them by the flesh because they're part of the flesh. And the flesh can't overcome the flesh. The flesh is the flesh. And consequently, we need the Holy Spirit and his power. And he does, according to Romans chapter 6, he cut the power of sin and allows us now to have victory over sin. We're more than conquerors. Romans 8, through him that loved us. Uh, the title of this is actually a series of three-part series reviewing these three major areas of, of sin that we struggle with and how to overcome them. Uh, the Institute of Basic Life Principles years ago in their basic seminar did a good job on defining what they call the root causes of all sin. They use the word root causes of all sin, which is the pride of life, lust of flesh, and lust of eyes, defined really... As clear in First John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17 as anywhere. I, however, call them, those same three, the resistant problems of life. How to overcome resistant problems in your life. Reoccurring or resistant problems. People continually struggling with it. The RU program, of course, is devoted to help people overcome, basically, the pride of life, lust the flesh, lust the eyes. Uh, each of us is harassed by the same resistant weaknesses that we have in the flesh. Just like MRSA. Uh, how many know MRSA? You know what MRSA is? It's a resistant bacteria. Uh, when I went to the hospital in Bismarck, uh, 2, 2 a.m. in the morning, and my wife drive me downtown to the hospital. Uh, we went in there, and uh, the uh, first place I've ever been to that tested me for MRSA. How do they do that? They swab your nose because that's where MRSA most of the time is, is in your nose. Well, that was humbling. You know, you go to the hospital, you just get humbled. Take all your clothes off. Three women in the room. The last, women, the last woman to see my, my bare body was my wife or my mother, and probably in that order. And here I got three strange women. I mean, not strange women, but three women. Now, they may have been strange. I don't know that. I, I don't know. But three women nurses, and they said, well, we have a policy in this hospital that we have to inspect you for cuts. And I said, well, fine. No, she says, no, inspect all of you. You have to take your underwear off. Underwear. I said, no, wait a minute now, man. I am modest. I, my wife's in the room. And I, I don't have any cuts anywhere. If you have any cuts, she says, you've got to tell us where they're at because MRSA could be here, and you'll get it from us. 
And so uh, there's also such a thing as a flesh-eating bacteria. You've heard quite a bit about that lately. Uh, people going in the ocean, people going in the water, even freshwater little ditches. We've had a couple kids die when they get it up their nose. And your nose and your brain are have pretty close proximity, especially the sinuses in the back by your eye. Your eye, your eye, the the the, the, the bone between your eye and your brain is as thick as that piece of paper right there. And that's why if you get a bacteria infection on this side, it can pierce that bone and go into your brain, you'll die. Brain infection pretty fatal most of the time. So we're fearfully and wonderfully made, but we're also very, fairly tough, but we're also easily broken. It's kind of strange, isn't it? We're kind of tough and tender at the same time. And so we've had little young people, you know, swimming in dishes as a kid, man, we did that. We ran through there. When it would rain, that was a big old time to get out and get in the water. And that you can't, really, I wouldn't recommend doing that anymore. These kids get in these ditches. They get this particular bacteria up into their nose, into their sinuses. By the time they find it, it's too late. They lost a couple kids, I think, last few years, at least I heard them. Probably many more than that, the ones I knew about. I don't watch TV much. But a couple of those died this flesh eating or, or MERS or whatever kind of bacteria that has developed. These uh, bacteria resist normal treatment. They resist, uh, they're stubborn by nature. They're insidious and they're life-threatening. And all sin is the same. Uh, these three categories of sin, uh, the pride of life, uh, lust of flesh, lust of the eyes, are insidious and life-threatening. Let's take you. You got your Bibles open there, First John. First John, uh, brother Chris, you want to come on up here, brother Chris? Everybody, open their Bibles to First John, chapter two, verse fifteen through seventeen. Come on up, Chris. No, don't have your Bible, brother. You don't need your Bible. Come on up here, son. Up here, up here. Yeah, you don't, give it. Oh, come on out, come on out. Any review as you come. I want to have Chris quote you from memory, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. We have booked his ordination for October 15th. And we're going to have, we've already asked the six preachers, beside myself, to be there to, to question him for two solid hours about what he believes, why he believes it. He's got to show us why, you know, of the book. He gets an open book. But uh, uh, I thought it would make it interesting. No notice, 1 John 2, 15 through 17. All right, no notice. May be wrong, but I'm gonna give it a shot. Love not the world. Am I in the correct? Am I correct here? Am I correct? Love not the world. Love not the world. Neither love not the world. Neither anything in the in the world. Love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father but is of the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Was I close? Close. It's, it's close. <laughs> love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. All in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, not of the Father, but of, of the world. The world, I'll pass away, and the lust thereof, but he doeth will of God abide forever. Is that right? 
Did I miss it? I missed something. There's something I missed there. Boom. Oh, don't feel bad. I'm sure he'd get it if he got to think about it a little bit too. But the lust of, it defines in that verse as clear as anywhere in the Bible. Uh, those three areas that are anti-God. They're of the world. We're born of this world. Our flesh is of this world. It'll eventually die and be dust to dust. This body, this flesh will go back to the world. The spirit which is born of God, born again if I may say, you know, if you're born twice, you just die once. If you're only born once, you've got to die twice. And so if you're born from above, then your spirit will go to be with God. If you're not born again, your spirit will go to a place called Hades, a place of temporary uh, storage, if you may say, until you are judged at a great white throne judgment. Um, these three things, these pride of life, lust of the eyes, and lust of flesh, are a summation of things. Let's say under the pride of life. Now, I'm, not, I'm not total in this. I'm just listening kind of to help you get it. Pride of life, what is that? It's demonstrated by anger, by bitterness, by hatred, by grudges, mean-spirited treatment, rejection, contention. You cannot have contention without pride. Now, that, that'll help you. That'll help you right there. You cannot have contention without pride. If you have contention... Uh, there's two proud, it could possibly be two proud person or one proud person, and uh, they're, they're, they're will just never ending. Lust the eyes, how's that demonstrated? Well, covetousness, greed, selfishness, often secret sins come from lust of the eyes. Lust of the flesh, uh, whereas the majority of immorality, homosexuality, transgender, perversion, pornography, nakedness, and leggings come from. Leggings are of the devil. I should just preach a sermon on it. Leggings are of the devil. Uh, there never more of a sensual piece of clothing has been invented than leggings. You're not supposed to wear them in public. They're supposed to be wearing. They're supposed to be something worn over them. If you wear them. For you know, from getting you know, like spandex, so that you don't get you know, when you run, you have to run in spandex, you can't run in cotton. Ooh, no, but you got to have something over it to not let the wandering eyes of men commit this, this sin of lust and immorality, sins of the flesh. The process of pride of life, which is what I'm dealing with tonight, um, will overcome you and sneak up on you and damage you, as it will me. How it works is first one will get angry over some imagined or real violation of their rights or their expected rights or expectations in life of how people ought to treat me and what is owed to me. And you know, think about that. When you get angry, why do you get angry? You feel somebody has violated you. You feel somebody has shorted you what you're due. They have either not given you what you're due, they have violated you, they've, like they should have said hi to you, they didn't. They should have shaken your hand, they didn't. They should have smiled at you, they didn't. Who are you to be worthy of smile? 
Who are you to be worthy of your handshaking? What, you like deserve that? Pride of life. Humble people don't have any of that. You got the humility of God on you. You're not going to worry about any of that. In fact, you'll be on the other side of the coin where you'll be the one out shaking a hand and you'll be the one out smiling and you'll be the one. You won't worry about whether people. I've had people through the years on a pretty consistent basis uh, be upset because somebody didn't, you know, treat them the way they thought they ought to be treated. In other words, expectations. You may have all kinds of expectations of me. I don't even know what they are. How in the world can I do them if I don't even know what they are, especially a pastor? Uh, people have a real, what I call the ideal pastor in their mind. And every, what's crazy about that is everybody has a different pastor. Everybody has a different ideal pastor. This ideal pastor ought to be this way for one, another personality type. The ideal pastor ought to be this way. Another person that I type, the ideal pastor ought to be this way. The truth is the pastor is not like any of them. And you're constantly going around disappointed in your pastor. Why? Your expectations were not met. And so if, if, that's the pride of life that does this. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26 says, Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down in your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. The word place has a connotative meanings of give license to the devil, give permission, uh, give room to him. Uh, uh, there was Bill Goddard defined it as giving ground to him. Give permission to stay and to dwell with you. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't want the devil. I don't want to give him any permission. I, as I've grown older in the Lord, I've realized how we actually give permission to him to harass us. It's a crazy thing. We give him permission. Uh, he don't seem like he has permission to touch us unless somehow we give permission to him. When you reach over on that knob and you turn it, that's permission if it's something wrong. When you're on your, on your cell phone, when, when, when you see something and, and it it's really shouldn't be looked at or shouldn't be experienced by you as a Christian and you touch that button, the devil didn't make you do that. You did that. You, when you touched that button, you gave him ground. You gave him place. You said, it's okay to harass me now because I've given him permission. And the Holy Spirit is grieved and quenched and back, backs off and then allows you to take your weapon, which is the mouse, what it amounts to, which I'll make clear as I go down the road here. So this, um, when, I, when I feel I have rights that have been violated, um, I get defensive when people accuse me. Most of the time, when people accuse you of something, they're probably right. You get angry. You ultimately get deep-seated bitterness towards the offender. Somebody offended you. The problem is that the offender does not even know that you're upset with them, and I hate to say this, but probably doesn't even care. They don't even care. Get mad at me. Ruin your life because I offended you. It's up to you. Not to me, right? As the offender, I'm not the... It's your reaction to the offense that is the damaging thing if you react by the pride of life. The forces of darkness 
with permission, locate in that in your life uh, when you have a continuing unresolved pride. It starts small, no doubt, but they begin to inhabit and spread the horror of their MRSA, their resistance. They're the resistant bacteria. Other offenses occur and join them in, in, in the problem. More violations of your rights occur, and you get more deep-seated, more ingrained. When you get an infection, one of the problems with infection is when it becomes systemic. You can have an infection of MRSA, and if you get on it right away, I mean, you know, it's a cut that quickly gets bad. And if you get on it right away, pour bleach on it. That's what I tell people. Take household bleach and rub. I used to lobster and get my hands cut every day by lobster. And, and the ocean's full of bacteria. And we get our, we got, there's a fish poisoning you get also. And we, every day at night, we take 5% bleach, which is house bleach, and we'd pour it in our hands and rub the bleach all over our cuts. It stings a little bit. But then all of a sudden, it, doesn't, it takes the pain away. Believe it or not, it takes the pain away. It is phenomenal. And you will not get an infection. I used to get such bad infection before I did that. In the morning, I couldn't even open my hands. I'd have to, I'd have, my, my hands would be stiff with infection. I'd have to force my hands open. It can get bad. It begins to get worse and worse as it goes along. And so uh, you begin to, more ground is given and more place is given, more permission is given for the forces of evil. You begin, you begin to sink into somewhat of a dark vortex of internal pain. Uh, thoughts of self-survival, hatred of people, bitterness toward life, and, and if I may say, eventually bitterness towards God. People oftentimes that have been exposed to God that eventually turn away from him and begin to deny him I believe it has a seed in what I'm talking about here tonight. Unresolved bitterness. I never forgave the pastor for when he said that. Or I never forgave the deacon when I saw him drunk one time. I never, I never forgave. And, and to their own destruction, they hold these things. And the terminology, a stronghold, develops um, in the life of the people, in the life of the person that, that is giving into this. And, and suicide thoughts come because the, the, the more you give into the pride of life and the more, more you feel you get violated and the more bitter you become and the more angry you become and it internalizes itself and systematizes itself, you begin to hate even getting up in the morning, hate life and depression comes in. It's, see, the devil, because you've given him place and now he inhabits that part of your, your, your person, he, can, he shoots out things like depression off of that and, and anxiety attacks come off of that stuff. And, and, and pretty soon suicide thoughts. Uh, he'll whisper suicide. You'd be better off dead. Why, you ought to kill yourself. You have a stronghold. You have unforgiven and unresolved bitterness in your life. Now, if I'm talking to you tonight and the Holy Spirit's saying that's your problem, pay attention with me. 
You become touchy. And I don't mean touchy-feely. I mean touchy. Uh, how many here have ever been touchy? Raise your hand. You know all of you should raise your hand. You become volatile, explosive. People begin to avoid you. And are offended by your behavior. And it gets worse as you go on this down spiral, this negative down spiral. And if I may say, if not taken care of, the end of it is death. Second Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. It says, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, which of course is life. Not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. I guarantee you, we're all sorrow of this world. And, and if you live in this world, it, you will be sorrowful. Some of the richest, most, most well-known, you'd think they'd be the happiest people. They're out there killing themselves and hanging themselves and, and overdosing themselves and doing all kinds of suicides. I mean, what, and you say, you scratch your head and you say, what in the world's going on? This is it. This is it. They've given a stronghold to the devil, a place to the devil, the evil one, the forces, not the devil himself, and the forces of evil, and they continue to build off of that. James chapter 1 says, every man is tempted uh, when he is drawn away of his own lust. That's the big three I talk about. And enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, does what? Bringeth forth death. That's where this whole thing goes. And I'm not talking physical death, even though that is part of it. I'm really talking the death of the soul, which is the second death, which is being cast in the lake of fire, missing Jesus. But what about a Christian? We don't have to be subject to this like this. We don't, we're not a victim. We're a victor. <clears throat> we can overcome. But when a person is full of pride or their thaw or their, they have rights all over, they take the bait that the devil offers them. And they get in it, and they begin to they begin to they, they begin to be mean to other people and critical of other people. All all the all the symptoms of the pride of life problem. <clears throat> Nobody fits their bill. Nobody nobody's good enough. No, you know. And so, God, what's God do for a Christian that gets that way? Well, it says in the Bible, God sends tormentors to them. You can look in Matthew chapter eighteen, and verse thirty four, thirty five. Uh, you remember the guy that, that was forgiven so much by God? I mean, you know, I'm just going to put it, I'm going to interpret the parable as I go along. God had forgiven the guy all this, and he found somebody owed him something, grabbed him by the neck, threw him in jail. And man, the servants went and said, man, that's not right. You know, this guy's been forgiven all this, and he won't even forgive his brother. Well, that's where we're at on this parable. In verse 34, it says, And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. And this is Jesus applying it. He says, so likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you 
if ye, and that's plural, from your hearts forgive not every one his brother, uh, forgive his every one his brother their trespasses. I want to get it exactly right. So when violations against you are done and you have rights that have been violated and expectations that have been disappointed and you begin to understand this pattern of defeat in your life and you don't understand why as a Christian you don't have the joy of the Lord, which is your strength. Jesus said, I come that your joy may be full. We shouldn't be walking around defeated. We should be walking around with deep-seated victory. I mean, deep-seated victory. We're children of the Most High. And so the devil would love to get in there and spoil that for you. And so we get, we get messing around and we have these rights and expectations and our pride. We don't, we don't call it pride. By the way, people that have this never call it that. Pride has a tendency to never call sin, sin. Pride calls it, I mean, let me give you a lifestyle difference. For homosexuality, they'll just say, well, it's a life preference. They, they take a name and lighten it up and ease it and take the, the word queer is not a name that that group of people the LGSTBSTP group. I never have figured out what all those things mean, but don't want to know. Uh, lesbian and gay, I think that's the first two letters, but the rest of it I'm lost on. They never want to hear the word queer because it just don't sound right to them. It, don't, it sounds harsh. It sounds unappealing to them. That's pride. Pride loves to diminish what you're doing. To lighten it up, to lessen it, but not humility. Oh no, humility calls a spade a spade, brother. And so, God sends tormentors. These tormentors come in all kinds of forms. It comes physically, it comes uh, spiritually. It's whatever God decides to do, but you, you get the word from the word tormentors. It's not something good, right? And God sends something in your life to bring you to a place where you begin to search, why do I have these tormentors? Amen? Why do I have these tormentors? Boy, I have asked that question a lot. Why am I being tormented in this area? And so you begin to see God's face. The Holy Spirit begins to talk to you about it. And then the, uh, I always say this, Lord, let me, let me see myself as you see me, but I'm not sure I can stand it. And God lets you see yourself the way he sees you in that area or whatever. And you begin to realize that you have sin, unresolved, unconfessed, unrepented sin in your life. That's hard to admit. That's a hard pill to swallow. First Peter 5 says in verse 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion. Not a, not a lion standing around. A roaring lion. 
walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. In other words, we're all in the boat together. It's a spiritual war that we're in. We're not alone in that war. We're, we're all to keep vigilant and keep sober and keep steadfast, and we're to resist. Why? Because the rest of your brethren are in the same battle you're in. I believe there's five steps, and these are not new to me. Five steps, common sense Bible steps of overcoming this resistant problem of pride. First of all, be honest with yourself. Confess your bitterness. But you don't know what he did to me. How many times I heard that? How many times I've heard that? You don't know what he did to me. No, I don't know. I don't know what he did to you. But who are you hurting? I'm going to hate him till I die. I've heard that. Hate him till you die. He's got control on you right at this moment. Because you hate him, he's controlling you. He don't even know you're doing that, but he's controlling you. Maybe, maybe a woman got, got raped as a young girl or something, and, and she holds that in, and the guy don't even know he's gone, maybe even dead. And her whole life, she's given the devil permission to come in and to torment. And if she's a born-again Christian, God has to allow those tormentors to come to get her to a place of repentance where she gives it up. I've seen some folks give it up. They weep and weep and weep. Weeping about what? The fact that they forgave. Okay, I forgive him. It's like, it's like they're almost angry that they've forgiven, but they know they got to forgive. But if you don't forgive, you're never going to get freedom. Confess your bitterness. Of course, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Revelation 12, 11, claim the blood of Christ. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. They loved not their lives unto death. Ask God to take back the area that you've given to the devil and given to the forces of darkness, the permission you gave to the forces of evil. David said in Psalm 23, he restoreth my soul. That's what you want to ask for. Restore my soul, O God. I like Psalm 19, 13. It says, keep back thy servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. And he wouldn't ask it if it wasn't possible. Is that right? If it wasn't possible, he wouldn't ask it. Let them not have dominion over me. These are some of the prayers. If possible, find somebody in authority spiritually and meet with them and humble yourself and get this area out off your chest. Proverbs 28, 13 says, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. He, <laughs> I could be talking in a foreign language tonight. You understand how hard this is? He that covereth his sin, that's the first thing you want to do. Pride says, 
Don't let anybody know you got that problem. They'll talk about you. Well, who cares when they talk about you? You need to be free. People from Cuba will get on uh, stupid uh, 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 garbage sacks and fill them with air and tie them together and, and jump on that thing and try to float across 90 miles of treacherous ocean. Many of them, maybe most of them, dying in the middle of the ocean. What for? For one thing, for freedom. Freedom to fail. But freedom. Freedom is the cry. God wants you to be free. He wants me to be free. But it's not without pain. Not without pain. It's like going to the doctor and having a, having a wart underneath your fingernail. And the doctor says, I can cure that. But it's going to be a little uncomfortable. And he brings this needle about that long and sticks it under your fingernail and holds it there. If you want to be free, it's going to be painful. I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you one of the most painful things I ever have is confess my sins. My pride hates it. Hates it. My spirit loves it. Spirit is like, ooh, that's good. That's good. I tell everybody, I don't want to. He that covers his sins shall not prosper. Whosoever confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Proverbs 28, 13, look it up. You cannot really, I, okay, okay, I suppose you could go overboard, right? I suppose you could go overboard on confess, right? You know what I mean? If you got out and started telling every little thing you ever did wrong, and all, I mean, no, come on, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking to God, of course you want to do that, but to people. Well, there's nothing wrong with somebody coming up and saying, you know, preacher, uh, I'm struggling with this area of immorality, or I'm struggling with pornography, or I'm struggling with anger, I'm struggling with bitterness. That's what he's talking about here. If you don't confess it to God, and then the Bible says confess your faults one to another. The word false means is, is, is a word for sin. You know what the trouble with the church today is? We're so sterile. People say, well, don't hang your dirty laundry out in public. The Bible don't say that. The Bible don't say that. Revoke the permission that you've given the devil by responding in pride. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 is a proof text. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. No. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds, there's that word, strongholds. It wouldn't be there if we didn't have them or couldn't have them. Casting down imaginations and every high thing, that's that pride, high thing that exalteth itself as pride against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought 
to the obedience of Christ. It's our ultimate goal to have victory in, in Jesus. Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. How you doing? How you doing? Would your closest friend or your spouse say that you were struggling with bitterness tonight or anger or you were hot-tempered or quick to condemn, critical spirit or selfish? Or would they thank God that you understand what I've preached tonight and have taken action on it? And by the grace of God, you have humbled yourself under the mighty hand of God. And by the way, it's humble yourself and humble yourself and humble yourself and humble yourself. I wish I could tell you that you can do one mighty humbling and then you'll be all right. Because you'll get proud you were humble. A humble person always thinks they're proud. And a proud person always thinks they're humble. They'll, they'll beat their chest and say, I'm the humblest man on earth. That's an oxymoron. Romans chapter 8, verse 6 through 8 says, To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That's what we want. Don't you want tonight life and peace in Christ? Don't you want it? Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, and neither indeed can it be. So they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So the only hope for you and I is to walk in the spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of flesh. Isn't that what it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 4, I believe it is, and some other places? That's our only hope. So we come to the light. I like Jesus, and I like Jesus a lot. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. That's what he's talking about. Jesus came to help us, man. But it's not without pain. When I first came across this and understood this principle, I had to go to a bunch of people and ask them to forgive me. It's not unusual that when you're first introduced to this and you understand it, that a whole list and litany of people come up that you really need to go back to and ask them to forgive you. It's not unusual. And oftentimes it starts, you've got to go back to your parents. That's usually the top of the list. Go back and ask your mom to forgive you, your dad to forgive you. Because you're bitter at him for, he didn't do me right. He didn't raise me right. Look, there ain't no right parent. Ain't no, ain't no perfect parent. You know what? I just forgave my mom and dad all their problems. Because Jesus forgave me all my problems. Amen? Jesus forgave me all my problems. He forgave everything, all my shortfalls and all my... And so my mom and dad, I never, I didn't, no, I wasn't going to get bitter at him, didn't get bitter at him. I just gave it up, said, you know, my dad, man, I could, I could have, I could have dwelled on some stuff that went on and gotten bitter and angry and, and ruined my life. And God has sent tormentors on me. No. And then the list goes, your spouse. Oh, it makes sense, right? The closest people to you. Your spouse.
women, when they come into my office, really struggle with their husbands not treating them right. Let's just say that, not treating them right. That's one of their biggest problems. My husband doesn't this, doesn't that, or, or he does this, or he does that, but somehow or another he's not treating him right. Not treating him right. And of course, where can I go with it? All I got to go is you got to forgive him. Forgive him. Let it go. Because <clears throat> you're getting miserable, and he don't care. <laughs> you just said he don't care, so I, he don't care. And he's sure not going to start caring by you being brought under the judgment of God and these tormentors and things because you're bitter at him about this. Let it go. Give it up. Did Jesus forgive you all your sin? Then let you forgive everybody around you in every direction their sins. And then the Holy Spirit will come in and, and where the devil was, the Holy Spirit will come in and, and, a, sweet, and a sweetness will replace the bitterness. Yeah. A sweetness will replace the bitterness. A smile will replace a frown. Sweet sleep will replace walking the floor over you. I know. And God will replace the, the devil, all his strongholds, and he'll replace it with good, ooh, good, good. And you say, Brother Bill, well, Nobody's really ever hurt you. Well, first of all, you don't know what has happened to me. I have, I have talked to women and, that have been misused and abused, men that have been misused and abused. But I can tell you there's only one place to go. And, and uh, Jesus said, if you will not forgive those who sin against you, you'll not be forgiven, uh, Matthew chapter 7. I, I know that. And the only way we're going to get forgiven is forgive folks around us. But your pride's going to battle you. You're going to say, oh. I think that's why we like the book, The Calvary Road, so much. The first chapter of The Calvary Road is brokenness. The first chapter. The first chapter of that book. Now, you may take that book and throw it against the wall, but I bet you pick it back up. Brokenness. That book's gone all over the world. It was written in 1950. It's not a real deep book, but God used just a simple truths out of that book to help people that were tied up by the devil himself through this kind of stuff. Now, now you may be sitting there and say, Preacher, you don't know. I, please, please, I don't have to know. But I do know this, that the pride of life is a horrible sin, and it will destroy you. And take every good thing that you call good out of your life. Father, help us tonight. Give us wisdom from above. Help us help some people to be free tonight, to be set free from the pride of life, from the anger, the bitterness, the resentment, the violation of the rights, the violation of expectations. And help us to humble ourselves. Confessing our sins, first to you, of course. And then, then to others, helping others 
realizing so many other people have the same things. They're wrestling with the same things you're wrestling with. Help us to join hands together and say we're one in Christ to overcome these things. Help us, my Father, free your people tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together, two verses, just as I am. Maybe God's touched you in something you'd like to pray with someone. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.